Welcome to Five Strat Weekly, everyone. We hope you all had a fantastic new year. Now, the podcast may have taken a week off, but the Five Stripes most certainly did not. We'll catch you up on all the news and moves, as well as take a dip into the mailbag. All that and more, coming up. Welcome to the first show in 2019, Five Strat fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner McLeod. Wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe and leave us a good rating. We have a lot to get through, so let's get right into the news. And Michael Parkhurst, our captain, oh, captain, my captain, has re-signed. If you don't get that reference, you need to watch the movie. It's good. Robin Williams, we always will miss you. But yes, yeah. he has re-signed. We speculated on it for a little while. Would right. he stay? Would he go? There were rumors out there, looking at you, Taylor Twelman, that he might leave. <laughs> he didn't. He stayed. You know why? Because we're awesome. And he didn't want to leave. And I don't know the details financially, what they ended up working out to, mm -hmm. but clearly it was good enough for our captain to stay in Atlanta. And I personally think he will spend the rest of his career here. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of those, that they pretty much keep that uh, contract stuff pretty under wraps on purpose, I think. Uh, and it's an MLS thing where you don't really find out until the end of the season how much uh, players are really on. But uh, yeah, in terms of uh, you know for that Taylor Twelman thing, it's like was was he just like agent or something? Like, I don't know. Maybe it was just out. like leaking news or something Probably. to try to get it. But right. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> how many times do agents? I don't know. You get right. yeah, yeah, with yeah. that. But I mean, it kind of had a little bit of us worried for a little bit. For sure. At but... the end of the day, I mean, he's comfortable here. He's happy here. Mm -hmm. I don't think he has too much long left till he hangs up his boots. And I think for Atlanta United, you keep your captain, which gives you a really good continuity as yes. far as like locker room atmosphere, mm -hmm. leadership from one manager to the next head coach. Right. And I think it's important to have him and keep him in the back. Cause he might be a bit slower, but his positioning, his brain, and the way he can, you know, muster yes. that defense is incredibly important to this right. team. And to have to replace him would have been a very, very difficult task indeed. Indeed, indeed. And we need that depth, that experience for all the competitions that we're going to be in, especially CONCACAF Champions League. And so uh, to have him back it is a just a big relief on, I think, pretty much most Atlanta United fans. Yeah. So. But aside from that, we have a very surprising signing that if you would have asked me who was going to sign for Atlanta United this offseason, this would not have been one of the names that I would have thought of in a million years. But uh, former Mickey Mouse FC player, Breck Shea, has signed a free agent contract with Atlanta United. Uh, where the heck did this come from? Right, it just uh, pretty much appeared out of nowhere from uh, Ivis Galarsep. Uh, oh, on that guy. That guy. Uh, just, uh, you know, one weekend, then pretty much, uh, you know, you find out that he's uh, signed, you know, a couple days later, and it's right there. Then uh, he's a midfielder by trade, a little bit more of a forward probably, but can play fullback, he mostly basically on plays the, the left, left side. Just the left. Right, and, uh, you know, I, I, I guess he's good depth uh, for all the competitions that we're going to be in, and so that's what this move comes in, and... He's kind of a reclamation project a little bit. Yes, uh, we've kind of talked about it with uh, you in the uh, YouTube comments below as well as uh, other places. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, provides, you know, something that is, you know, he had the talent uh, back then. He was kind of in the, the, I believe, top five in his first year of the MLS MVP voting. He got a move to he, Stoke City in the Premier League. Right. I mean, he, he definitely had a lot talent. of potential that people thought he was going to be a very good player, and it just yeah. didn't really turn out for him. Going to Stoke, that can happen. But, right. no, I mean, he... 
I think, yeah, he's a reclamation project. He right. hasn't done well. He didn't do great at Orlando. He didn't do well at Vancouver, but he still has some years left on the clock. Right. And I think that if he's going to come good anywhere, it would be Atlantean. Yeah. I mean, I think that he will get chances. He is experienced. He knows the league. He gives us a bit of height, which is something we right. desperately needed. So he can offer you a bit of a different mm -hmm. you know, solution depending on the problems that you have within a match. If you right. need a bigger person on towards the end of the game with mm -hmm. a bit of potential as a forward, he can offer you those things. So. I think he definitely is a decent signing. For me, I don't think he would have been signed unless Frank DeBoer said so. And True. I mean, you don't just sign a player if your new coach who right. you're kind of giving a lot of mm -hmm. control to in a sense about what he wants and how he wants to play. You're not gonna sign a player that wouldn't fit his play style. So yeah. I think he definitely has his seal of approval, which makes me feel even more comfortable with this right. deal. Yeah, he, he could be that plan B coming off the bench, uh, you know, that target forward at the end of the match that you're trying to lump some balls into if you're trying to chase a goal or something he like that. He does have a, a nice head of hair. Right, yeah, definitely. Mario and Fellaini have lost his. <laughs> right, and uh, you know, so, very similar in that respect in terms of uh, who you're lumping it into uh, at the end of matches or even uh, to start a match probably on occasion. This is what he's going to bring. He's going to bring that versatility. He's going to bring that height, a little bit of pace too, and uh, a decent cross and an eye for goal. So uh, the problem with him has always been consistency. It's something that uh, maybe it's a focus thing. Maybe it's something that uh, he is a very uh, interesting character. He I is, will always yes. remember those Aladdin <laughs> pants uh, that were very, very. Uh, it was an interesting fashion choice. Right. I leave it at that. Yeah, and he's a he's a painter uh, apparently as well. Yes, uh, you know he's eccentric, but there is that other aspect of uh, yeah. There was somebody uh, maybe be, maybe putting a, a, a bad rumor out that he was a. A locker room uh, person that is not cancer is probably the, the wrong word here but uh, yeah like that's probably false because there hasn't really been any reports that he's been really that bad in the locker room at all he's been an eccentric character but in terms I, I don't of that, I don't think that Lady United would sign a player I mean yeah. I think a great example of this is um, <laughs> This will be interesting. As many of you may have seen, I got into a little bit of a spat from Sunderland fans on Twitter because, well, I was being a knobhead if I'm being perfectly honest, but I was having some fun. There's a great series on Netflix right now called Sunderland So I Die, and it gives you a really interesting, like, behind the scenes look at what it means and how teams go about signing players. And there's a lot of things that they that they do. I mean, background checks, kind of figuring out what the player's personality is like, will they fit into the culture there? I think Atlanta added the way that we do things. They absolutely would have done. They did all they those background checks. They would have vetted him. They wouldn't have brought him in if he was going to create an issue like that. Not to mention, I think he would love the chance to put some goals past Orlando City if given the opportunity. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and you know, he, I think, really comes to the best team he's ever played for. And I'm not just speaking hyperbole there. I mean, really, he uh, he comes to a very good team, and he is a, you know, a piece of it where. He was a DP at other places and had to make a, well, he was on very high wages. He was expected but, to make a contribution right. here. There's probably lower expectations. Yes. There's less pressure and he's coming into a very stable club. It's not going to be the madhouse that he experienced on right. Florida. And, and he, so yeah, he comes here as a free agent. Uh, he's not going to be on DP or TAM wages. And so I think this is, I think relatively a good reclamation project that we should 
you know, are taking a chance on, and it's something for him. That, it's, it's a yeah, chance as well. Cool. I mean, he's on lower wages, but it's a one-year deal. So if he can come right. out and really show something and improve that, and 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 garner money, he might be able to get a move elsewhere where he can get that big money again. Right. Because if I'm being honest, it's probably not going to come in Atlanta United based right. upon how we run the club and who we'd need. And mm -hmm. I don't think long-term he would fit into the plan. But he's 28. So, yeah. yeah. So I think you know this could be really really beneficial for him, but. You know, he's the first official signing of this offseason as far as players are concerned, but he is not the first official signing of the offseason. No, he is not. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's talk about Ezekiel Barco. He uh, got and he picked up an injury while he was with the Argentinian under 20s. And uh, yeah, so he will miss that uh, South American Cup, uh, you know, run that they're trying to you know, get get into it. And so it's going to be difficult uh, again for Ezekiel Barco coming into the season. Last season, remember, he, uh, you know, we had the big transfer saga and then he got injured in preseason and uh, was out for uh, a couple months. And so now he has something to, again, uh, jump over a hurdle and not to even speak about his off the field issues. Uh, yeah, that plagued his first season with us. So, yeah, he uh, he definitely will have to uh, really uh, buckle down and really uh, pick himself back up and get himself ready for preseason because he will miss that tournament. Yeah, it's tough for him. I mean, honestly, I wasn't too thrilled about him going on international duty either. You think he really hasn't had a break from playing football for almost a year. Yeah. So... The injury might stink, but if he can get off his feet for a little while and just rest a little bit, it'll be another long season in Atlanta. He needs some time off. He is young. You can't run themselves, you know, running yourself into the ground at an early age is never a good idea. So I think for him, yes, it's an unfortunate injury, but if he can at least have a little bit of time off so that whenever he does return to training with Atlanta United, just to have had a little bit of recovery time because he really hasn't. And I'd like to see him be fit going into the season because I think he will come good this season. And I think that he's been, he's given a chance to settle. He's put some of those off-field issues behind him. Now, if he can just get fit, get into this team, there's a lot of matches to be played this season. And I think technically he will fit very well into what Frank DeBoer wants to do. So I'm excited for what he can do in 2019. I just hope he can have a little bit of time to rest, recover, and then really push forward and try to, to, to really show us what he can do this season. Right, and so more details will come, and we'll uh, get into what that is when uh, when they you know they update his situation. But uh, you know we wish the best for Ezekiel Barker because I mean yeah it, he's a player for our team. We have to back the guy, and we have to uh, you know really make sure that you know our guys are being supported. So, uh, but yeah, let's get to that. Speaking uh, of supporting people, supporting uh, yeah Frank DeBoer was confirmed and announced uh, you know in the lull that we did not have our podcast, but. Uh, yeah. Last time we taped, we all thought it was going to be GBS. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, uh, you know, I think the MO of the front office is to probably, you know, smokescreen with something else and then, you know, pull the wool and then here you go. Ta-da. It's, uh, you know, the, the Dutch, uh, you know, kind of, I, in some degrees, I think he's a, he's a mastermind in, uh, in terms of IX, uh, you know, circles because... I think he's probably pretty well revered there. Uh, he won four consecutive trophies, league titles, uh, not too shabby. Yes, he had some uh, you know maligned situations in uh, Inter Milan with Crystal Palace, but uh, you know very short stints for sure. But uh, I think that's a you know more of an indication on the uh, regimes at both of those uh, two clubs that uh, the latter clubs. Because of, you know, just the turmoil that they're in, how many 
how many managers they've had, uh, each of them in the past five, 10 years, it's enormous. It's in the teens. That's usually not a good number and not a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in Inter Milan's case, it was a, the, the club was changing hands. In both cases, he went to clubs that have a very different style of play to the way he prefers to play. Both are very much a win at all costs, not a we play attractive football. So at Inter, he, he didn't really get, he had a couple signings, but they didn't really pan out. And they kind of realized that it just wasn't a very good match. And then at Crystal Palace, is a very similar situation where they wanted to change the way they played, right. but they didn't sign anyone. And then his best player didn't want to play there in Wolf Saha. So it just wasn't a and great he also situation. Wasn't, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't healthy as well, yeah, so he didn't so have it for very, he, very many he games. He just didn't have much to work with. I yeah. mean, if you're and a watcher of the Premier League, you understand Crystal Palace is not a team that plays possession-based attacking football. Right. They're very much the traditional English style. That's why they hire people like Sam Allard and Roy Hodgson. Right. Um, for him, yeah, he, he didn't have those two good spells. I don't think any of us expected this. I most certainly didn't. I had my hesitations in the beginning yeah. because the Dutch have very, they're very, arrogance is a bad word, but they have their philosophies and they tend to not really vary from what they yeah. believe. Which can be good and also... And, and also really stuff. frustrating depending yeah. on which Dutch head coach you have, Louis van Kalf. <laughs> um, but I think his vision and how he wants to play really meshes well with Atlanta United, which is why they went out and got him. And I right. think it's not only the on the field, what he's going to bring, it's that structure to the academy that I think right. you're going to get as well. Because Atlanta really desire to strengthen the academy and have it running in a, in a manner that they will be producing players and right. it'll be almost like an Ajax here in the United States, right. at least for the moment. I think long-term, obviously you can transition from being the Ajax of the U.S. to being the Barcelona of the U.S., which mm -hmm. I think is kind of that similar mold. Mm -hmm. But you cannot, you know, overstay how important he will be in making sure that the academy starts functioning well. He's talked about how he wants to run similar training drills throughout all the age groups and mm -hmm. all these things that help bring these young players through so that when they're ready for the first team, they're prepared because they've been playing in a system they're comfortable with, that they know what they're supposed to do. Right. So there's just so many things about him that is fantastic. And it's, I think it could prove to be a home run hire that none mm -hmm. of us saw coming, but that just speaks to how that front office uses that smoke screen, but also does their due diligence in finding people to right. do the right job. Right, yeah, because also, I mean, he's a guy that uh, seemingly is very good in the community as well. You can see on his Instagram page how uh, much he's doing like charity work. He's uh, really, he, there was a, you know, a photo of him helping uh, kids out in Africa. Um, you know, you can see that he, as a person, is probably a good fit to our culture as well, but, I mean, that, that academy thing, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, sell people or sell your uh, academy players that you've developed into uh, essentially world-class players, you know, with the likes of uh, Alderweireld and then Ericsson, uh, pretty much making up the Spurs at this point, probably. Uh, well, I mean, you know, he also had Daley Blind, who went on to Manchester exactly. United. Mm -hmm. I uh, believe Ian Vertonghen also yeah, came through there. Exactly. I mean, so yeah, so a lot, lot of spuds. Of but I mean, no, there's, there's, he developed a lot of young players. I mean, right. I think in the, the six years he spent there, he brought 25 academy prospects through the first team at some point in time, which was another big sticking point for Atlanta United, was developing the talent that's here and developing that young talent through the first team. And I think, you know, obviously what's going to pop to mind, Carlton Bellow, mm -hmm. but also pretty much any player who has the potential to move on a Julian Gressel, right. even a Joseph Martinez to a degree, mm -hmm. to try to improve him even more if he wants to move on, which I personally don't think he does at this point. But the idea of being able to develop players and move them on for transfer fees mm -hmm. is part of Atlanta United's MO right now. Right. It is a selling club, we realize that. But 
we want to bring young talent in and then sell them on, which is kind of changed the model of how things are done in Major League Soccer. Right. And I think with this hire, it's again, you know, Major League Soccer is kind of figuring out it's what we're doing. Thinking. And then we take that next step to continue moving the club forward. Because I think their overall goal isn't to be the biggest club in MLS. I think it's to be the biggest club in this hemisphere, to be perfectly honest with yeah. you. And I think that they want to be in the in the conversation with the Boca, with the River. When you think of, you know, any soccer in this hemisphere, it's, you know, you think of Atlanta United. When you think of soccer in America, you think of Atlanta United. Right. I think that's what they want to have, that prestige. And that's their, their goal. And they know that to do that, it requires long-term thinking, and I think right. this is a great hire that can really help move that process along. Tasa right. was the foundation. Mm -hmm. Now you bring in Frank DeBoer to help build on that foundation and structure the club even more, and then mm -hmm. you keep hiring people to move the club forward and continue building on the people who came before. Right. And I think it's really refreshing to have a you know an owner and a president and a technical director who share that vision. And then for Frank DeBoer, how refreshing it must be to find someone that shares that vision with you almost, you know, completely in how you see the game and how you want the game to be played. And then for them to bring you in, you you see the training facility, yeah. you see the stadium, yeah. you see that the president gets a comp to coffee at Starbucks. Exactly. I mean, you, he, he saw what, it, what this club means to this city. And I think that definitely was meant a lot for him. I think for him, he sees this as the perfect place to come and do really, really good work so he can get that move back to Europe. Because he yep. wants to do that. He wants to go back and make his mark there at a bigger stage. And I think Atlanta can be a great place for him to come in and do that work and then move on. And mm -hmm. for him, I think it's just an incredible opportunity. And for it to be that big of an opportunity with the club only having existed two years, again, just speaks to all the work that everyone's done to make Atlanta United what it is. And it's honestly just really special to see Atlanta United being mentioned in tabloids and different newspapers around the world for transfers for managers. Mm -hmm. It's an international club and it's right. just grown so fast and it's just really special to be a part of it. Right. And so reports are is that he's on a two year deal. Uh, and so uh, with that, though, you know, he is probably looking, you know, to make that, uh, you know, this two years as successful as possible so he can make that jump back into the Premier League because that's I think ultimately what he said in various interviews yes that he still views that as the best league in the world okay but uh he's I think in my opinion come to the best team in MLS to really uh make his stake as a you know back into the claim that he is a good manager or head coach because uh, I mean I I believe that he is I mean he mm -hmm. He has uh, he has the pedigree, um, you know, at least at Ajax. But you know, if he's been if he is given the uh, you know the transfer windows, the uh, the time to really implement what he's wanting to do, uh, where it's not revolution, you know, it's uh, it's kind evolution. of it's evolution, it's continuity of what we already have in uh, place, you know, with Tata, with uh, you know what we've already put here. Uh, and established and you know built on these foundations that's where uh he can really thrive and uh he he shown that at, at ajax he Absolutely. pretty much you know did that and so you know uh we need to give him that time to be able to uh to thrive because i think he can actually take us into this uh you know i think he's the next level absolutely yeah. i mean the thing the other thing is and carlos bocanegra you know mentioned this is it seemed like he has a chip on his shoulder yeah so he's gonna be here for two years but he 
I mean, for him, in order for him to get a job in the Premier League from Atlanta United, he's going to need to win the league probably both years. Yeah, he's going to need he's going to need to win yeah. a Champions League. He's going to need to win as many competitions as he right. can, and he knows that, but he wants that because he knows yeah. if he does that, it's going to get him that opportunity right. that he craves. So he's going to be doing everything he can to make sure that Atlanta United is the best club that it can be. And I think for him, he comes into a team that already has a lot of the players that can play the system that he plays because of how they played under Tata Martino. They've already been educated in a similar system. Yeah, there will be some differences, mm -hmm. but he already has players that can play a very technical style of football that he didn't necessarily have right. when he went to Inter and when he went to Crystal Palace. I mean, you, you have, have the likes of LGP you have, you who know, can play out of the back. You very have, similar to how he was as a player as well. Absolutely. Like he's a very technical type of center back. He was back. a cultured center back, I guess yeah, you could right, say. Exactly. He, he knew how to play with his feet. And, and right. you didn't really have that a lot in the 90s and mm -hmm. in early 2000s. It wasn't necessarily something that you had in a lot of center backs. It wasn't how the game was played necessarily. Right. But you did have a few, but not not to that degree. And you know he's the third all-time caps holder for, for the Netherlands. There's a reason. I mean, he right. played a lot of games. He was an incredible player. He, he understands the game. I mean, I think it's just an incredible hire mm -hmm. again, and I'm really, really, really excited at what he's going to bring and how we're going to play under him, and I can't wait to see them kick off. Yeah, and speaking of LGP, uh, who I think will be very ecstatic to be able to play under a head coach like this because, I, I mean... he can really develop under him exactly. a lot more, which is crazy yeah. to think. Because <laughs> LGP has also spoken about, yes, I mean, you know, if given the chance, he wants to play for the Argentin uh, Argentinian, uh, you know, national team, and so, you know, with that, he has to either... Uh, you know, play in the Premier League or something Just like that. Just absolutely Boston MLS. To right. be fair, seeing how they defended well, at the World Cup, he's not exactly the worst option in the world because, right. <laughs> yikes. Yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're shambles right there in, uh, in Argentina right now. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, so LGP, you know, he spoke about uh, having spoken to Franck de Boer, uh, and that was with uh, Por, Amo, Por Amor a la Camiseta Radio. Sorry about that. Uh, um, and uh, he said, I spoke with DeBoer today. I thought he was an open person to talk to, and I got a good impression. Hope it can be demonstrated in the work. And I think that, you know, really uh, speaks volumes that, you know, DeBoer is already speaking with a lot of these players already. And, uh, you know, so that's that's a good sign is that he's trying to get to know these players, trying to build a rapport uh, before he's even set foot in Atlanta officially as the head coach, I mean, Although, he's already doing work. As of today, yes. he has officially set foot in Atlanta. Yes. He had a little Instagram post out this morning saying he was on his way, and then another one saying that he has arrived. He is, in fact, in Atlanta, which means he is ready to get to work. You know, it's, what, just about two weeks until preseason training starts. Yeah. Joseph Martinez is already back in Atlanta. If mm -hmm. you've been following him on social media, I think he's chomping at the bit. Honestly, I, I think the players are really excited. Mm -hmm. I, I think that they understand that this is another opportunity to go on and do even more. And for a and club like Atlanta, press. and for a club like Atlanta, you want to be a club that when you win, it makes you want to win more. And yep. I think... Now that not only the city and the team has a taste of victory mm -hmm. and a championship, they want to keep getting more. And I think that's one of the interesting things about soccer is there's many, many venues for you to you know get that success and win those mm -hmm. trophies. And Darren Hills has said numerous times they want to win everything they play for. So right. you know it's it's very short off season luckily in, in MLS, and we're getting very very close to th seeing things kick off again. And I'm, I'm certainly excited. I mean, yeah. we, we knew we'd be talking about a new manager probably around this podcast because they mm -hmm. said, you know, up January until, 14th. Yeah, January much. 14th. But yeah. we figured it'd be done before then. So now that he's here, now that he's done, you know, I just, I, I'm just ready to see what happens. I'm just yeah. ready to see that team under him and to see how they, how they evolve and what they do next. And 
you know, it, it starts off very, very fast in the Champions League. So. Right. And uh, first up, though, I mean, even before that, it's, uh, you know, there's the MLS Combine looking at the, uh, you know, the Super Draft coming up. And so, you know, he will have a hand in that. Yeah. I think, you know, having him looking for technical qualities that probably yes. many American scouts won't be looking for, he will have an idea of exactly what he wants. And this team is drafted pretty well, all things considered. So, you know, hopefully we could find another Julian Kressel type player yeah. in the draft. And if any club is going to do it and find that player in the rough, I certainly believe it would be Atlanta United. And I absolutely think that Frank DeVore can do that as well. Right. Uh, a player who is not a person in the rough uh, is Pitti Martinez. And uh, it's a guy that we've been forever linked to, obviously, by now. Uh, Where and, two of the three parties say he's coming here. Yeah. And the one that's important <laughs> has said nothing. Right. Uh, and, you know, Pitti Martinez, he may or may not have mentioned Atlanta United. Uh, pretty much, he has pretty much said... Uh, at least Georgia in uh, you know one of the interviews that came out today. He's basically said everything about coming here right. without saying I'm <laughs> going specifics. to Atlanta. Yeah. I've signed with Atlanta United. <laughs> but uh, but he has been named the South American Player of the Year uh, or the Footballer of the Year rather, and then he also made the El Pais 2018 Best Eleven. Uh, and then he's also pretty much been, you know, just uh, plaudits everywhere here and there. But uh, what was interesting was that. In that voting for the South American Player of the Year, there were four people that were finalists. Yes, exactly. Three of them played for River. <laughs> One of them did not. The person who did not, well, he plays for Atlanta United. Exactly. Jose Martinez. He rounds out at four uh, at fourth with seven percent, and Pity Martinez got an astounding forty-one percent of the voting. And so this is the type of player that we could be getting. It is, he's coming here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. We have to keep hedging our bets here and saying, yes, he could be coming. He could be coming. Because it's not official. Correct. It hasn't been announced by the team. And I think with that, it's probably because LA United still want a little bit more of that leverage so that they can sell Miguel Miron. That is the goal. Uh, you know, if both are on the team, that is not ideal. That is not what they are intending to do. There's more and more stuff coming out about him, how much he's going to cost us. Right. I mean, it's it's really interesting stuff. And from what I've seen, Atlanta United are really good at doing this whole negotiating bit. Right, indeed. Uh, and this is uh, according to Diario Ole. Uh, he's apparently only going to cost around $12.5 million. Uh, that's, that's nothing. That is, for a player there who's the adults. South American Player yeah. of the Year, for under $20 million, who's been the best player in the Copa Libertadores, is an Argentinian international. That is nothing. Right. That is nothing. Because if he can become anything close to the player that mm -hmm. we think he can, and he can showcase that for two years, he will get one big move to Europe potentially because right. I think he's a two-year guy if he can do really he's well. 25. Here, he's twenty-five. He's in his prime. He's in his prime. Move yeah. at twenty-seven. He'll be a finished article for who for whoever gets him. Right. But that is absolutely pennies on the dollar for what Atlanta could get. I mean, yes, there's a bunch of add-ons and uh, yeah, I mean, some of these are ridiculous. It's like so apparently it's uh, one and a half million if he starts ten games. Okay, well, you know, just, you know, if he stays healthy, then okay, there, there it is. Uh, we will gladly probably give them the one and a half million. Uh, the very interesting bit is the friendly between the two teams, River and Atlanta United. That would Ooh, be awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, whether it's there or maybe, cool. maybe it's a two-legged tie, uh, it'd probably have to be in the offseason because it's just, that's a lot of congestion that would probably be an awkward fit somewhere in the summer or even in the fall. It's... Yeah, so I think uh, maybe in the off season that could work, and of course though I'm sure there'd be a 
a lot less of the uh, the starters playing, but either way, getting the two supporters together, the, those oh, two groups. Oh, if, if it was here and River supporters came here, yeah. it would be an absolute party. Like the scenes. Fun. I mean, I I I. <laughs> I like River Plate. You've seen me wear the shirt here before. Um, obviously, there's a lot of, well, not a lot, but there's a very strong River connection with Atlanta already yeah. with Leandro Gonzalez Perez. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be a very, very fun time. And I think they're they're a great club. Obviously, you know, there's the, all the issues that happened around the Copa Libertadores, but they are a big club. They're a great club. Mm -hmm. I think it would be awesome, you know, to, to have a good relationship with them, it, I think would be huge because they're right. they're one of the biggest clubs in the, in the world uh, when yep. it comes to, you know, South American football. They are internationally recognized club. So right. I, I think it'd be awesome. And if we play them in a friendly, I would absolutely go see that. Right. And uh, they apparently would get the proceeds also kindly and gladly. Sure, take it because that would be a lot of fun. But, uh, Next bit is that, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Pitti Martinez, he had some interesting comments uh, regarding Atlanta United, uh, essentially kind of maybe spilling the beans a little bit too much, but also saying that, I don't know if he has insider information, and I think clearly probably by this point, it's probably not, he's maybe just saying, you know, things off the top of his head, but uh, Miguel Miron saying that, you know, he may, you know, uh, Basically, Europe missing the boat on uh, Miguel Miron at first, uh, kind of like they're missing the boat on Pitti Martinez, uh, is what he's saying. And yeah, I mean, he's saying that Miguel Miron might be sold for $30 million. Uh, I mean, does he have insider information? Probably not. But. I have no idea. But it's it's very interesting uh, that he's you know been able to just be you know speak freely and uh, just you know pretty much speak his mind in every interview that he's been in. Uh, and then, you know, just another instance is like, you know, he uh, has pretty much uh, said that, yes, he's trying to learn English. He's uh, really trying to get ingrained into, uh, you know, the culture here and really make sure that he's ready for uh, Atlanta. But uh, yeah, that also he doesn't know much about Georgia. Um, it's very interesting. I don't think very many people in Buenos Aires yeah. do, to be perfectly fair. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, fair. It's, you know, the United States is a very large country. And so there's a lot to uh, get to know. Yes, uh, New York, LA, they're the big markets. And so, yes, you know, you'll see more of those things come out from uh, those cities. But uh, I think once, you know, he sets foot here and, uh, you know, he gets. Uh, all the, the, you know, the crazy fans behind him, you know, pun intended there, then it will really be uh, a thing to behold and he will uh, probably be welcomed with open arms because, yeah. Into La Banda. Yeah, into probably. La Banda. Uh, it helps and you already have a lot yes. of countrymen here and people who share a similar culture with you yeah. so that it helps you adapt and settle in. I mean, mm -hmm. I would almost bet he will be invited over to one of their houses very, very quickly to have some mate and play FIFA or whatever right. they're going to do. So Have some barbecue. Have beef. some barbecue. Whatever ends up <laughs> happening, whenever he yeah. ends up coming... Which we think he will. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I'm very interested and excited to see what he can bring to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we still have to see what happens with Almiron, and there is still time in the window. Yes. The window does not close for England and the rest of Europe till the end of January. So yes. we will absolutely see what happens between now and then. Indeed, indeed. But uh, before we get into that, uh, Atlanta United they received fifty thousand dollars in GAM in general allocation money from DC United. Uh, for the discovery rights that we previously had for Lucas Rodriguez of Independiente. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a guy that apparently we, you know, spent around a million and a half 
Uh, these are reports, but it was, I think, only one report. And so uh, we apparently paid for the rights of this guy, and it was a backup plan in case Ezekiel Barker didn't work out. Uh, but now DC United have, uh, you know, pretty much loaned uh, him over for the season, and, you know, we'll see how he gets on. But, you know, it's a guy that we were looking at. Uh, he probably, I mean, he's 21 years old, I believe, and he's not really as high of an upside as an Ezekiel Barco. So, did we really miss out on anything? Uh, who knows? I don't know. It's a little bit of money, but honestly, with how the front office does things, I don't think we've necessarily missed out on anything at all. Now, getting into more news tidbits. The upper deck at Mercedes-Benz Stadium will be open for at least six of Atlanta United's home games next season. I think that's fair. They're kind of gradually opening it up more and more to right. see if they can hold that attendance. I think when you win a championship, you know you're going to have those attendance. You know you're figures. going to, but, but it's you, you also have build Champions demand. League maybe. So it's like yeah, you build the demand. There will be certain games where, like Champions League, where they might flex it to have the full stadium if the United advances. Obviously, that first home game won't be played at home. It'll be played at Kennesaw, but don't get me started on that. <laughs> um, so yeah, not to mention the playoffs would have the whole mm -hmm. stadium open. So I think six is a good number. They're trying to get more people, like you said, holding that demand. Right, making it's sure for the season don't ticket holders. Empty it's, seats. <laughs> right, right. And it's for the season ticket holder uh, base, which, uh, you know, it's already, I, I believe, at really uh, 40,000 or more already. And uh, yeah, I mean, you just keep building that demand for that. And, but you don't want to open the stadium for every single one of the games so far because with that, you want to build the demand that it's not just you know a given that uh, it's always going to be open the the uh, the uh, third level and whatnot, and so you don't want it to be empty. You, yeah, you have a good atmosphere when you have forty five thousand. Exactly. That's a very solid atmosphere. And we're so. already nineteenth in the world with that, and so I think you know we we need to hold our horses if we're wanting it to be open for the entire season. That's or, a goal. I mean, that's yeah. a goal the front office has, and right. I think you, you can keep, build to that. You keep winning in three, four, five years. I think you can have that, and if you're doing that. That means you're going to be one of the biggest clubs in the world if you're averaging 70,000 a week. So that's a goal, I think, for everyone, as us as fans, to be able to support the team consistently with that many people at the games. I mean, that all comes at time, and it comes at success. Right. So Yeah, yeah. but uh, the next bit of news is that the Academy U19s for LA United, they're making a trip to Germany for a very prestigious uh, just Mercedes-Benz Football Junior Cup. Uh, very interesting because the the likes of uh, you know you have Bayern Munich uh, under under 19s you have just very very good. You have the best in with. Europe, kind of their yeah. U19s playing there. So these Atlanta United kids will they'll test their metal against some of the best academy yeah. players in the world. So I think it'll be a great experience. I imagine that probably came about because well the stadium has you know a name on the front yeah. of it. It's kind of share something with that tournament. Also Mercedes Benz. So but you you know and also you uh, you know we don't know if we're gonna see the likes of an Andrew Carlton or George Bellow make the trip. Uh, they are of that age and. And it's I don't think they go. Though. I think it's, with first team yeah. training starting soon, I think with those guys, mm -hmm. they're first team players this year. You have right. to think of them as first team players. And if that's the case, mm -hmm. you'd rather them be here and be fit and be training and not pick up a silly injury in a U19 tournament that at the end of the day doesn't mean that much to you in terms of big picture. Right. Yeah, and it's one of those things where Frank DeBoer, you know, he may want to work with these guys, uh, you know, firsthand, but it's one of those, uh, they may be, you know, just in the kind of beginning stages of training camp and they might miss one week. It, 
really wouldn't be that bad and it'd be really a good experience so if they did it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world but uh so it's one of those things where they may see some time we don't know um you know but then you have a lot of these other uh you know academy guys that um you know i think it would be a fantastic experience for them the you know kendall edwards of the world the dylan gaithers the jackson conways uh, those guys, you know, this would be valuable experience in a very, you know, kind of test their metal type of way uh, in a very prestigious tournament. So absolutely. Speaking of the preseason, though, there is a rumor out that Atlanta may potentially play Uruguayan champions Pinaral in a preseason friendly. Obviously, we're going to have to change things and we won't be playing in Charleston this year because of CONCACAF Champions League. But I actually would hope this is the case because you want to be playing these champions yeah. of South America. Tougher these, these tougher competition that yeah. will really help you get into that groove and bring up your match fitness and, and the way and the level you want to play at very quickly. I think that's going to be kind of what you see from Atlanta moving into the future as well because... It doesn't really suit them to be playing Charleston Battery and the B-sides of other MLS teams. That's not their goal. They need to get proper, you know, preseason training. And the way you do that is by playing against good teams. So we don't know. Nothing has really been announced so far as preseason matches yet. So obviously that will still be coming and we will have that information for you as it breaks. Right. Uh, so, you know, there was a guy that we were in on, a head coach. Uh, you know, Guillermo Barros-Scoloto, and yeah, he uh, was passed over for Frank de Boer, and some of you guys still may be clamoring for him, but uh, now he has officially uh, signed on with LA Galaxy as their head coach. Uh, also, RIP Siggy Schmidt. That was, uh, you know, just a very sad, sad bit of news for, uh, you know, U.S. soccer and, you know, just football fans in general. I mean, that's uh, he's he made a very, very large impression very on impact. this yeah. on the sport and yeah. in American culture and the way that it's done. But yeah, GBS is officially with LA Galaxy teaming up with the likes of Zlatan. Funny enough, is now on DP money. I wonder why that happened. Uh, so it'll be a very interesting uh, matchup when Atlanta United do eventually. Uh, yes. Play LA Galaxy that will be here in Atlanta, by the way, this season. Yeah. So I think that'll be a very, very interesting trip. Although, will Zlatan play? Because Zlatan does not do turf. Exactly. I'm fine if he doesn't want to do turf, if he doesn't want to show up. We can just smash them without him. Exactly. And uh, so, uh, well, we smashed them with him too when we were there. That is so. a valid point. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's uh, get into where Miguel Miron won the ABC Color Paraguayan Player of the Year. Really, congrats to Miguel Miron. That's uh, you know amazing stuff uh, from. He deserves pretty much every award that he's getting exactly. at this point in time, and with that, you're also going to get the transfer rumors, and Indeed. there is even more of an update on Newcastle, as I think both of us have been saying the whole time. We never thought Newcastle was going to really be a thing, and according to the Mirror. It looks like Newcastle could be ready to admit defeat in their pursuit of Miguel Almiron as Rafa Benitez does not think it is possible for Newcastle to come up with the 30 million pounds it is rumored that Atlanta want for the player. If you know anything about the Premier League and anything about Newcastle, you know that they do not spend money. Mike Ashley is in fact on holiday again. If he's not going to Newcastle, I don't think you have to worry about that. Right, but uh, you know, there could be a whole lot of uh, other teams that are in on him, um, you know, but uh, I think the one that has come about through Gold Digital, and this one needs to be taken with a large, large grain of salt here, is that he's linked with La Liga side Real Betis. Um, you know, it's a, it's a side that, you know, is doing quite well in La Liga, oh, yeah. for, especially for their size of their club and 
uh, for the level of talent that they have on their team. It's, uh, you know, I think it would be a fit in one sense, uh, you know, it's probably less physical of a league than the Premier League, uh, but it's a matter of the transfer fees that Real Betis has put forth uh, in their history, and he, he would pretty much uh, be either the second or the largest uh, transfer fee in their, their history, so I don't really know. This may... I don't know. This may be like a kind of agent agent talking, agent uh, trying to get something in the room reel about Miguel Miron because it just doesn't seem the most plausible. But you know, change things. Is I will say though, in terms of fit, I think he absolutely fit in well at Betis. There is a uh, great uh, podcast on La Liga called the Spanish Football Podcast. It's English speaking. You can get on iTunes. It's great if you are very interested in all things La Liga. And they have this phrase, like I said, where they say always watch Betis because they play a very attacking brand of football. They beat Barcelona in the new Camp this season. They have a manager that is basically touted as the next Barcelona manager when that job comes open again. So he would absolutely be a player that would fit into how they want to play. Mm -hmm. And he would be a player that there's not a lot like him in terms of pace and that, that change of gear that you get so quickly with him in La Liga. I think it could actually be a very intriguing spot for him to make that initial move to Europe where mm -hmm. he could flourish and succeed and then maybe another two years there when he's 26-ish, he can get a very big move to a bigger club either in the Premier League mm -hmm. or another one in Spain. I think that's a club that is of the level that he should go to right now where he could really succeed. So yes, it's, it's the source itself is not the greatest and mm -hmm. the money for them might not be there, but also you have to think that for a side like Betis, it would be in their best interest to have a sell-on clause, have mm -hmm. other clauses in there for performance-based things because for them it would be worth it. And if they can turn him from a 30 million player into a 50 or 60 million player, that works for them. Yeah. And I think that it's absolutely a platform for him that he could do well. And I'd much prefer to see him there as opposed to a West Ham or a lower-sided, yeah. a lower team in the Premier League. I think right. that that might be too physical and too quick for him. La Liga might be really good for him to develop his craft in Europe before making another move to a bigger side. Right. And I think also playing style is important here because, yeah, he, he's coming from a team that is very attacking. And, uh, you know, yes, he has a great work rate, but if he's kind of having to be stunted where he's not being able to flourish and really show all of his talents, then is that really a beneficial move for him? A beneficial move for uh, Atlanta and for the league? I mean, the point is... Uh, for Miguel Miron to be sold is that he does well and so that there are other instances of yeah I mean, you know Miguel Miron was a big example of uh, a player that moved from MLS to the Premier League or La Liga and he flourished and you know More of those type of stories than more of our players or you know other players in MLS uh, They get to be sold for high wages and so that just benefits you know, the United States as a whole, so. I, I think for him, that's definitely one of those things, which is why I never thought Newcastle would work, is I think Atlanta United want not only to find the right price for him, but to find the right club for him, for him to flourish, because it's in Atlanta's best interest for him to do well, because then it shows that, it, that it's a strategy that works. Yeah. But moving from Miguel Almiron to the other half of the fusion, yes. Joseph Martinez, well, apparently he is going to be getting a new contract. According to the AJC, we have, well, not we, Atlanta United have reached out to Joseph Martinez's representatives to negotiate a new contract, which I don't think anyone could argue he That's absolutely surprising. deserves. When you yes. break records, you deserve to be one of the better played players in the league, and I absolutely think he will get that contract, mm -hmm. and I think that that contract will keep him here for the foreseeable future. 
and you can't blame anyone on any side, and we would love him to stay here for a very long time. Right, indeed. Uh, no, there was apparently interest from, uh, you know, Ligue 1 side Marseille, and uh, yeah, they were apparently interested in Jose Martinez initially, uh, this is according to a report from La Marseille Les. That's a tough one to say. Lots of L's. Uh, but um, essentially, though... Uh, French. Yeah, yeah, the French. Uh, um, but essentially, with uh, Joseph Martinez, they were essentially saying, though, because he won MLS uh, Cup, he won the MLS MVP, his price probably has gone up to a degree where they probably are going to be a little bit more hard pressed. There's no way Marseille is paying the money that we would want for yeah. Joseph Martinez. I so. think we'd want more for Martinez than we want for Almiron, to be perfectly honest with you. Why and you I go? think that when you look at the product, you, you really couldn't argue. I mean, he's done really well in MLS, but in MLS, he's shown himself to be a complete striker. Left foot, right foot, inside the box, header, outside the box, penalties. He can pretty much do it all. So it's not shocking that teams in Europe want him, but again, he's already had that experience and he has said he is very, very happy here, which goes back to the contract. If he's getting paid well, he won't get paid much more from here to Europe if he's gonna be making the numbers right. that say maybe a Javinko makes. Yeah. I don't know if he'll get that much. He would deserve it, but yeah. I think that when I think it comes that's to money, he, when it comes to the money though, I think that he will get what he needs because Atlanta yeah. understands what he means and he's happy here. And right. I think that you can afford to pay him, let's be honest. Yeah. So why leave if you're making money, you're happy where in the city you're mm -hmm. at, you're one of the best players in the league. It'd mm -hmm. be difficult because it's a, it's not just a one-way thing when it comes to transfers. The club have to agree and the player has to agree. Yeah. And I don't really see a reason for him to leave right now. Right. But if he, you know, that, that number is going to be very, very interesting. If he gets uh, to where I think the uh, the wages are for, you know, Jovinko, it's around five to maybe like nine million in that, that ballpark. Uh, it depends on what he gets. You know, if... He gets around the five million, or because right now I think he's on a million and a half. Um, that's really, you know, something that you can transfer him to, a, you know, a, a bigger club, and you know, the wages won't really be too much of a hindrance. But if he's at five million or more, that's, a, you know, non-transferable sometimes when it's really high and you know he would be getting into his prime years but depends on how long the the, you, the contract it, is i mean the thing is if he moves, very interesting if he signs that contract which i think he probably will because atlanta understand again how important he is and how happy he is so he'll get a fair offer and i think they'll get something worked out mm -hmm. you know if if he's getting all he'd have to get offered more i think obviously and if you're going to yeah. be offering him more on what he's already making if he signs that new contract that means that the transfer fee you're getting is going to be massive. Yeah. I mean, if he signs that contract and he has another season like he did this past year, I'm not trying to be biased, but he's a 40 million to 50 million pound player. And for that to even be an idea is insane. But if you go out and score 30 goals again, you win more trophies at Atlanta United and continue to show the consistency that he showed in his first two seasons, there's going to be teams looking at him because it's it's the things he does that are transferable from MLS to other teams. Yeah, maybe you don't get as much space, but he is clinical, and that doesn't go away when you have that confidence. Mm -hmm. His movement is incredible. Yep. So there's these things that teams in Europe will look and be like, yeah, that guy's really good. We think he could fit in. I mean, I think he could play in the Premier League, to be perfectly yep. honest with you. But again, 
But on high wages, it will be very interesting if he can be transferred. Um, you know, the, whatever team it would be, they would have. There would be, be a lot of money wages. involved. There would be a lot of money involved, which so. at the end of the day isn't necessarily a bad thing as far as Atlanta United is concerned, or for Joseph Martinez. Right, indeed. But uh, that does it for the news and rumors for this week. Let's move on into the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to do so, and we may answer your question in the future. First question comes from Philip Mosley. Other than Pitti, realistically, is there a specific player you'd like for us to sign? Uh, honestly, nothing can really top that. If Pitti Martinez signs, you sign the best player in South America currently, which is a massive coup for Atlanta United. Um, I think maybe you could strengthen with some veteran type players in a couple of positions, maybe at right back or center back for some cover. But aside from that, this team's already really, really good and has a lot of great players in positions that you know it has depth and when you look right. at the midfield there's great players and you have depth in there you have depth in attack defense is your kind of one question but we're five we're, deep at left yeah back. you're I mean, there's there's a lot of really good places for atlanta united obviously you'll have the draft as well so uh, to be honest with you i can't really think of anyone yeah. because Pity martinez kind of takes the cake although as far as atlanta united is concerned no one saw nagby coming last year yeah. so who yep. knows what they'll make, but I, I can't really complain right now, to yeah. be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, uh, essentially, we'd be, you know, if Pitti Martinez does come, we'd be replacing Pitti Martinez, uh, you know, for Miguel Miron. Uh, in terms of wingers, um, I think that was the thing going into the offseason that I was thinking, yes, we probably need to just shore up a little bit. Um, and I think Breck Shea fills that void, um, I mean, as at least as depth. Um, and then you have... Uh, yeah, I agree with the, the, I think right back and center back, yes, uh, I think John Gallagher may play a role into all that. He has played pretty decently at Atlanta United 2 uh, as a right back. Uh, he was switched over from a striker uh, to that, um, but he does take up an international slot, and so that will be interesting if, you know, we do an R short Maybe there is another like Sal Zizo replacement type of uh, guy who's a veteran guy who can play multiple positions. But, but I also think with DeBoer, the thing you have to understand is if he has a chance to bring through youth players, he will use those chances instead of signing an older player right. to give a youth player a chance if it's a situation that he thinks they'll succeed in. So that's another thing you have to look at is that you have players in the academy that could step into some of these roles and get it some minutes, especially under a manager like DeBoer. Yeah. So I don't know how active Atlanta United will be, but certainly a we will wait and see. Yes. Next question comes from Evan Groller. Who is the most underrated player on the whole team? <sighs> tough question. That is a tough question. There are like players that receive a lot of plaudits. Joseph Martinez, Miguel Verona. I still think Joseph Martinez is underrated for what it's worth. As crazy yeah. as that sounds, yeah. like yeah. yeah, I don't think people fully understand how good he is at what he does. He, I mean, he I, gets he, slagged off uh, by his own fans sometimes. Yeah, I mean, like I, he, he caught some flack last season as well, and it's just being like outside or whatever. what he does yeah. is incredible, and uh, he's one of the best players to ever play in this league. And I, I still think for us, because we're watching in the moment, maybe we don't appreciate his brilliance. But he's incredible. But out of a player who might not be a star, 
I'd probably say Eric Rometty, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, the work he does, his positioning, been ever since so he's stepped in, he's just been so consistently good yeah. at what he does. Uh -huh. So I think maybe as far as underrated yeah. and improving the team, I mean, when he yeah. came in, he really stepped in and helped the team right. a lot. So I'd, I'd probably go for Eric Rometty, maybe. Yeah, uh, I think someone that just doesn't really get a lot of the headlines, and it's Jeff Lerowitz, is yeah. just never in the headlines really for, I mean, not for goals, not for assists, but he is that... Just defensive force, yeah. Except for chugging beer and uh, you know holding signs that say uh, you know throw beer and uh, or throw booze, but uh, he's essentially a guy that uh, you know just very uh, you know steady presence as an experienced veteran. Uh, you have him as you know a defensive midfielder, a center back, uh, a right sided center back. I mean, it's just you know he can fill in so many parts for your team and. He really is kind of that glue. When he's not in that lineup, uh, you can really tell, and it's uh, it's something that you know, I think he's uh, you know deserves more plaudits for sure. But uh, next question comes from OMG, it's the goat, and also a very similar question, James Rogers, twenty six. We'll uh, read them both. Uh, what if Miguel Miron doesn't leave? Does pity still come? And also uh, from James Rogers. How would it work if we were to end up keeping Elmiron and getting Pity Martinez? What would the eleven look like? Um, I don't think it's possible for them to be on the team at the same time. To be perfectly honest, with MLS with you. salary rules, not with yeah. the salary rules. I'd love for them to be, but yeah. with how the salary Possibly. rules work, I just I don't think it's possible for them to be. I think you'd have to move Almiron. I think everyone, if given the chance, would probably say we'll move Barco instead if you can. But that could prove to be difficult. Um. I don't know. It's going to be a very interesting situation. I think that's why you haven't seen the front office announce his signing yet. I, I personally think that it's a done, just a done deal. We just haven't officially announced it because right. it's not in our best interest to, and there's not a reason for us to. Um, I think it will be announced by the beginning of preseason because they'll want him here right. by preseason. I don't think it matters like for roster moves for MLS until the season actually starts. Mm -hmm. So they could be training here at the same time, but I think they would figure something out to have Miguel Moran move on unless they figure out some genius thing that none of us have thought of, which is entirely possible, but I, I just don't know if it's possible for them to be here at the same time, which is a shame right. because I think that would be incredible to watch. And yeah. honestly, MLS would be like, Atlanta, we hate you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the rest of MLS anyway, uh, the other clubs, uh, I think MLS as the league would be like, Thank okay, you, yeah, we're fine with it. This. But, uh, hey, I think... MLS, you want to work with <laughs> Arthur Blank calling yeah. up Don Garber? Hey, so we were thinking we should add a fourth DP. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Uh, no reason, just we think it'd be really great for the league to expand. Okay, sure, why not? Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, if they uh, you know opened up the rules like the LA Galaxy for David Beckham, I mean, if you want to do that, that's... Totally cool. I mean, to be cool. fair, Arthur Blank has made it known he wishes he could be more powerful with the NFL, but you have yeah. guys like Robert Kraft and Jerry yeah. Jones to prevent that from happening. I'm okay if he wants to be like the Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft like, owner who's just yeah. like, if I want something to happen in the league, it happens. Yeah. I'm fine. I think he'd be happy with that too. So It you would know. push forward this league uh, immensely. I don't know if it would be fiscally responsible for, for everyone goals, else. But I think we'd be okay. Yeah, but um, you everyone know, else would hate us. Just for kicks, uh, in terms of that front four, uh, what would that front four look like if Pity Martinez and Miguel Miron were in the same level? I think Miggy goes to the left. I think I think if you, if you play a 4 2 well. I don't know if you play 4 2 3 Martin is pretty good if, on left, too. If you play 4 3 so. 3, I think you can put Miguel Almiron at the 8 in midfield and have him mm. running up and down. And you put mm. Pity on the left and he just cuts inside. And then whoever's on mm. the left, if it's Bello, you'll probably see him overlapping and moving forward a lot, mm -hmm. which you see in DeBoer's system. 
I, if it's a four, so do you sit Nagby? Like no, I think in that scenario you would play Remedi, Nagby, and Almiron, yeah. and then it would be Lorenowitz that you might measure his minutes or play yeah. him at the back to give you your depth there because dynamically you'd have so much pace and energy yeah. covering the middle of the park plus goals from Almiron, yeah. and then you'd have Mar Pity Martinez kind of pulling into that space. Yeah. You so there'd I guess be so Gressel sits there. No, well oh. Gressel you could play it right back. I mean, yeah. the thing is, there, you have an embarrassment of riches in yeah. terms of attacking, attacking options, options, which yeah. is a good thing because Atlanta United will be playing in multiple competitions, and to have that squad right. depth to be able to rotate and bring these different players in, right. I mean, that's what you need for a mm -hmm. big club to be able to win on multiple fronts. Mm -hmm. But I think you definitely would probably have pity trying to play more in that traditional number 10 role, mm -hmm. and then you'd have Miguel Almiron running around. But also, again, with the style of play, you know, they would interchange positions a lot, and I think you'd see a lot of players popping up, you know, Miggy popping up on the left, right, middle, same with, with Pity, popping up everywhere, and people being like, who do we mark? And also yeah. don't forget Joseph Martinez is standing offside, where is he? Yeah. It'd be a nightmare for teams attacking-wise, yeah. and I think we would score a lot of goals. Right, I think uh, that's probably reserved for your FIFA teams, because yes. that's Doing probably the only time that you They Basically, it. it would be, you have a bus, and we're just gonna just smash right through it, because right. there's nothing you can do to stop all that, just quality. Yeah, But Indeed. if it happened, I think all of us would just, uh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Indeed, indeed. But uh, next question comes from Alex Clough Nine. Also, a similar question from Abby Nashes Zero Eight. Uh, essentially asking, what are the major differences in the playing styles of Frank DeBoer and Tata? They're very similar in a lot of ways. Um, without getting really long form and technical about it, every kind of thing. Tata kind of takes his stuff from. Uh, Bielsa, mm -hmm. who kind of got his stuff, kind of watching Johan Cruyff, who's not necessarily the guy who started everything, but he's kind of the guy that brought this kind of style of play into the fore of this, you know, this very fluid possession-based technical passing football. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of similarities between DeBoer and Tata Martino. I think DeBoer might be even more detail-oriented with where he wants his players to be. It'll be a lot more, if a player moves up and takes this position, someone else has to drop in and take this position. So it might be a bit more organized as far as that is concerned. Mm -hmm. He will definitely get that from Louis van Gaal. Um, so maybe a bit more organized, but still very fluid. Every player is expected to be able to play every position really and use their feet. So there will be a lot of similarities and it'll just be a few minor differences and possibly a change of shape as well. Right. Because, uh, yeah, no, uh, DeBoer definitely prefers the 4-3-3. He's used that as the formation most in the, uh, you know, his uh, history. But he's also used some 3-4-3s as well, uh, definitely at Crystal Palace as well. Uh, but it's something that I think Tata Martino... He's a little bit more of a chameleon while he was here because we started as more of a possession and pressing team, a high press team. Uh, that kinda, you will get under DeBoer, though. Yeah. You will get pressing under DeBoer. That right. is a very, that's a distinctly Dutch. If you've right. never seen the Dutch team in the 70s press, just Google, just YouTube that. It is yeah. insane yeah. how they, when they really started introducing pressing, it was like the whole team running at someone, like right. crazy people. It it's was scary. terrifying. It yeah. was scary. I would have probably just pooed myself with that if I saw like <laughs> yeah. five players running full speed at me and be like, what do I do with the ball? Yeah. But you get a lot more pressing from him as well, which. If you have squad depth and you have the players, have the attacking quality you have at Atlanta United, again, that could be a lot of goals. So. Right. And so, yeah, it was, it's definitely a more exciting uh, brand of football, uh, especially, you know, we played that in 2017 for a lot of it. 
Uh, but then in 2018, yeah, Tata, he went with a little bit of uh, just morphing uh, a lot of the... Pr- more know, pragmatic, really. Yeah, trying to more pragmatic. F- what, what worked and how he countered the opposition. And exactly. obviously ended up settling on the 3-5-2 and that won a cup, so you can't really complain. Exactly. And so it's it will remain to be seen if Frank DeBoer is as uh, pragmatic and you know as uh, will adjust to these uh, different types of competition because I think that will be necessary because it is something that won us the cup. We should do that against very tough competition so that they will be just completely, uh, you know, flabbergasted. What what style do you actually play? That's what actually has worked for us. So. Yeah, I think you'll get that with DeBoer. His technical knowledge, he'll, I think he will be able to outcoach pretty much every single person in Major League Soccer, to be perfectly honest with you, so. Next question comes from Joey Macchio. When do you think our new kit drops, and do you think it will change much? Also, a very similar question from Daz Gabe's MK2. Uh, I can tell you that there's not a specific date that has been released yet. Um, it will come out in February. Uh, I can tell you that much. I know nothing about this kit. They will be playing it very close to the chest. I think the only thing that we can guarantee is I don't think it'll change from red, black, and gold, and I know for a fact it'll have a star over the crest so outside of that i know nothing about it i mean i think we'll probably all see it leaked at some point in time as kits always are but it will come out in february before i believe the champions league game at the end of the month um so that's when it will come out obviously continue following united social media channels because that will where the announcement will be um, so yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be awful for me at the team store because I imagine we will be busy as hell selling them. But you know what? I think that's okay because I'm excited to see what it does yeah. and how they change it. That's right. one of the things about soccer is changing the kit. And I mean, there's, you know, model kits everywhere on the internet. And there's yeah. some that are really cool looking and there's a lot of stuff you can change about it. Right. And I think uh, it's something that uh, Elaine and I can take. Um, kind of inspiration from teams like Barcelona and teams maybe like Milan. Uh, yeah, Milan's both of Milan's really with the the stripes that they have uh, to really see what variants that they've had. It could be a collar. It could be the like stripes, the on, stripes the side. on the side. Adidas recently has yeah. the stripes on the shoulders moving to under uh-huh. the arm. So it's it's just one of those things. I, who knows? I mean, I love a collar. I love collars on on shirts. A lot of people don't. I'm, it's divisive. I'm weird, yeah. but uh, who knows? I'm just excited about the star, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I'll be happy with whatever comes out because the little thing will go right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will still sell like hotcakes because, uh, yeah, with that star, it, just anything that has and a star. And from what I've been told, King Peach is supposed to get a star as well. Yeah. So, so Although, you'll have to buy another one because I don't think there's a way for us to put a star above it. So yeah. I think everyone who can probably will. So, you know. Yep, there it is. We'll, uh, Money. Probably, yeah, That's we'll, what it is. We'll drive Money. more MLS jersey sales again. But uh, next question comes from Panhead Aaron, do you think Frank DeBoer will ease into Bellow starting or will it be off the bat? I think he starts off the bat, to be perfectly honest with you. Although, well, maybe in the league. In the Champions League, he might want to go with someone who's a little bit more experienced where he yeah, might change his probably shape. Probably would be Brexhay or... Maybe. I think it know, really will depend on like what Ambrose, he thinks of him once he starts Pan. working with him in preseason training. I mean, if Bellow shows up and is just bossing it and doing what he needs him to yeah. do in preseason training and shows that maturity, then there's no reason for him not to play him because he has shown he will play the youngsters if they're good enough. Right. I mean, if you're good enough, you're old enough. So if he is, if he's of the level that DeBoer thinks can play in the starting 11 when, when we open the season at Herediano, yep. he will be in that 11. But yep. that'll all come down to the manager. And you have a manager who, like, again, is fantastic at bringing through and developing young talent. So I think he will be, definitely have a hand in what Bello does and how he develops. 
I think he's going to be playing a lot this season, and I'm really excited to see what he has to offer as well. Yeah, if he's uh, if Bellow's not playing in that Junior Cup uh, in Germany, then you know he uh, probably would be able to be the the front runner. So we'll see. And last question, K Babar, what happened to the 1.7 million we spent on that player that is now at DC United? We got 50k in Gam. Yeah, we got 50k <laughs> in Gam. That that was a rumor that uh you know it's uh if it's a report that is to be believed or not. I mean, I think at this point, I don't think Atlanta United would really talk about it. So uh, it's something that uh, if it really was, then okay, great. But uh, if not, then all right. And guys, this brings us into our question of the day. We will keep it transfer-related. Our question to you is, what positions do you think Atlanta United needs to strengthen in this offseason? Do we need to strengthen any? Obviously, Breck Shea's already been signed, and Pity Martinez, who knows, but it seems like he's on the way as well. So where else do you guys think Atlanta United needs to sign players or strengthen in the squad? Hit us up in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. Yeah. So that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already, smash that like button, and share this video because it really does help us a lot. And for Tanner McLeod, I'm AJ. Thank you guys so much for watching. Yeah.